Good afternoon, everyone. It is 3.30 p.m. Central Time, Saturday, March the 16th. I'm Leon Davis, and you are tuned in to Altitude Adjustment. I'd like to thank uh, a guardian angel of mine, um, LJ Boyd. Uh, he's introduced me to some great personalities, and one of them we're gonna, I'm going to be talking with today, and that'll be John Martin... Um, Branson the third that's coming up right now welcome to adjustment alrighty so I want to bring John in here you're on there John you can hear me hello John it seems I have lost John let me see if I can call him back. Hello. There we go. How you doing, John? I'm doing pretty good, Leon. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. You hear me very well? Yes, I can. Excellent. Excellent. That's good to hear. So, um... Here we go. Hold on. So I have a, uh, you have an opportunity to participate in the podcast. If you go to the live stream page, you can type uh, information and then I will at least be able to see that and try to include that into the podcast. I want to uh, thank John um, first off for taking this opportunity to talk to me. You want to tell people a little bit about yourself, John? Well, uh, I'm John Martin Branson III. I'm a uh, third-generation college graduate. Uh, I attended Mississippi Valley State University. I've worked as a uh, social worker, school teacher, and rehab counselor. I'm currently retired, and I'm from Mississippi. Okay, and that was um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is that you were, uh, you are a graduate of Mississippi Valley State University. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and you were gonna. So what Al J said to me about you was that, uh, and you and I talked a little earlier that you are a big fan of history and so you study a lot of history and you were one of the things that you do um, first off um, you you have a disability correct yes I suffered a stroke five years ago okay and since that time I've been I guess partially handicapped because I still can move around just at a very slow pace mm -hmm. and p part of I guess your uh, rehabilitation or or what you're going through is that you share inspirational quotes and um, school history with uh, your followers on Facebook is that correct yes I do a, uh, a daily devotional every morning and I share with, with my friends Facebook friends and my family and um, uh, also I chronicle the 1980s Mississippi Valley State that was my time the 80s, the decade of the 1980s 
So what I've done for the last um, two or three years is it all started with me writing about the football players because, you know, playing sports is a team effort. And so they were just gearing it toward one specific, one specific famous player that we had. And I decided to write about the entire team as individuals to give the to give the public a little perspective on who the other team members were. And at the same time, I decided to incorporate the entire campus, student body, uh, sports figures in every sport, as well as the administration, as, as well as the administration and staff too. So really, the entire campus. Yes. Okay, and and um, how do you feel that that's going? Well, I think it's going pretty good. I mean, the homecoming of 2016 brought back to the record, the largest crowd they've had in maybe two or three or four decades. Uh, it's very popular. I, I don't write as often as I want since I'm since I have my foot in the door now, but I'm always finding some snippet to come up with. Okay. To take us back to the 19 to the I call it the era of good people. Okay. The 1980s. So what what uh, what was your degree in? Well, my degree was in social science, with the emphasis on uh, sociology. And what made you decide that? Um, you know, how did you get into history and and being such a history buff? Well, that really started in the ninth grade. I had a teacher. Yeah. Mrs. Uh, George Ann Clark Four. She was Miss Ward then, and she was teaching Mississippi history and civics, and it all started there. I started reading everything I could get on any type of history, world history, especially like U.S. history, dealing with the presidents. Okay, and um, what made you decide on um, um, MVSU? Well, I wanted to go to a HBCU. I already knew that off the bat. And Jackson State was off the table as far as I was concerned. And I wanted to stay in state. So I didn't I didn't particularly care for all corners. So I only left one more. So I came to Valley. It was the best thing I ever did, really, honestly. Excellent. So, yeah, um, you were, at, we were talking, you know, before when we were setting up the interview, and you had talked about that there were a number of schools in the area. Uh, so there was Alcorn, there was uh, MVSU. Uh, what were the other two? Well, you know, Mississippi has three predominantly, well, three historically, his three historical black universities that are predominantly black, Jackson State, Alcorn, and Mississippi Valley. They also have uh, four other schools, Mississippi State, the University of Mississippi, the University of Southern Mississippi, and Mississippi College for Women. Okay. and uh, oh, oh, we have Delta State. I forgot. We have Delta State University, too. Yeah, that's a lot, a lot of universities in a, in a small area. So now, did you you are you originally from that area? Well, I grew up in two two places. I call Drew, which is in the northern part of the state in the Mississippi Delta, I call it home. Mm -hmm. And I've called Prentice home. Prentice is, is my family's ancestral home. Okay. So and, and Prentice is in southwest Mississippi. 
Okay. So, um, so give me some of that that history that we had talked about. Uh, some of the history for the MVSUs. You know how they their original mission, how that got changed, and uh, uh, share that with with some of the people. Well, uh, in the 1940s, the Mississippi Legislature authorized a new university, and it was my understanding that the Delta was specifically chosen. In the Delta, you have mostly uh, plantations and it's rich in cotton and soybeans and all that sort of thing. And it was my understanding the university was placed there to somehow keep the blacks within the area close to the plantation because they were beginning to migrate north and other points in the United States. And Mississippi Valley State was authorized and the site chosen originally was Greenwood but the white establishment there did not want the university that close to them so they listed Itabina which was seven miles down the road it didn't want it either so it's my understanding that a farmer offered to sell some land about a mile from Itabina in the cotton patch and President James Herbert White was the sitting president at that time at Lane College, but he was hired to get the university off the ground. And the name officially was Mississippi Vocational College, which was to be a really a vocational college offering farming, carpentry, home economics, and things like that. And the first shovel full of dirt was was turned on February 1st, 1950. Then Mississippi Governor Fielding Wright came to the area and from my understanding it was a very cold day and other dignitaries and that's where it had its beginning. Uh, Governor Wright was there, new president James Herbert White and other area dignitaries, dignitaries were present. And it escapes me where your valley graduated their first class, but it was in the 50s. So 1950 is is the first year for the university. Okay. I'm I'm not quite uh, sure when the mission changed to go academic. Mm -hmm. I know by the time it the name was changed in 1964 to Mississippi Valley State College, and. It was changed again in 1976 when Governor uh, William Waller signed the bill authorizing uh, elevating Valley State uh, uh, along with three other schools to university status. Mm -hmm. I think Delta State, Jackson State, and uh, Alcorn were elevated to university status. Excellent. And of course, uh, during the 1960s, Valley was undergoing change just like all of the other schools. Uh, student bodies were changing. The Black Panthers were in full force and blacks were becoming more aware of their heritage and they were demanded to be given a more free reign in their own uh, destiny. And these presidents were really not for these, these changes. So you had uh, James Herbert White at Mississippi Valley and J.D. Board at Oilcorn and Jacob Reddit at Jackson State. And the Board of Trustees was an all-white board. 
And in the South, you have to know how to handle uh, the, the power structure at that time. So you, you had to be meek in order to get things for the university. And they, it served good up, up until the late 60s when the black students, they were beginning to revolt. And Valley wasn't the only school across campus. Yeah, South, the, the shooting at South Carolina State, the shooting at Jackson State, the rioting at Alcorn and Mississippi Valley, where, where the president, in his infinite wisdom, saw fit to have student body, a lot of the student bodies transported, transported to the Mississippi State Penitentiary because they refused to obey in order to quiet down and not riot. So, in the 1970-71 school year, the black presidents were all dismissed. Uh, President White left Mississippi Valley. J.D. Boyd left Oracorn. Um, Jacob Valley left Jackson State. So basically, Valley underwent a cultural shift around that time. And um, Ernest Borton seceded him. Mm -hmm, right. Uh, when I arrived at Valley in the uh, summer of 1981, uh, Ernest Borkins, Dr. Borkins had retired, and we was in transition again. And Dr. Nathaniel Beauclair was the acting president when I arrived. However, by the spring of that year, uh, Dr. Joe Lewis Boyer had been hired as the third university president and he was the president during my entire tenure okay so during your during your uh, time at the college um, how much do you think that the surrounding area impacted um, your life on the campus well Greenwood has always been a racial hotbed and mm -hmm. It hadn't changed very much from the 1960s. I mean, it was a little more open, but we were always conscious that we were the school in the cotton patch. And uh, I want to say we were probably one of the largest employees in the county, but you can still feel the stigma of racism and prejudice in, in the city of Greenwood. You can still feel it to this day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, um, Okay, I went to a small college. Uh, it was, I think, 4,500, 5,000, around that. And, I, I'm, and you and I had talked. And uh, MVSU is about the same, correct? Right. When I was there, the state in the Rover was 2,500. And it stayed that, that number uh, during my tenure. Mm -hmm. Now I, t I think it's at 3,000. I saw that somewhere. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so... Yeah, um, one of the things that you're quite proud of is that, that you uh, went to this school. What What do you feel was the advantage to being at this college? You know, because uh, the student-teacher ratio was excellent. You felt like you were somebody. The teachers cared. And also, let me point out in my historical uh, statement about the college, the 1980s was perhaps the greatest periods in Mississippi Valley history, thanks to sports. Uh, Archie Gunslinger Cootie was hired in the spring of 81 to revitalize 
Bella's glory. And he took us to unprecedented heights, um, which included the school's first and only nine-win season. Uh, we played on, we were the first college in the state of Mississippi to play on a Sunday because our campus was too small to host all corn and valley that year in the fall of 84 because we was on the, on the collision course all year and everybody kept hoping that we would remain undefeated and we was putting up unheard of points on school board 86 to nothing, 77 to 15 so we had the fascination of the entire nation uh, Sports Illustrated, the Sporting News, the Pittsburgh Courier uh, were all making their way trying to find Itabina. And we were also ranked as high as number four in the NCAA Division One At that time, it was the Division One AA. And we were also ranked for four consecutive weeks in the Sheridan Black College Bowl. And um, we were also invited to the NCAA playoffs that year, which we had to play Louisiana Tech down in Ruston, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Now that that was uh, Division One A, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were Division. No, at that time they were Division One Double A. Oh, okay. But they have they have since been have elevated elevated to One A. It's well, it's not One A anymore. It's like the they got different segments. I don't understand that now. But there's not the, the old division classes has been abolished. But. Elevated to Division One A, the big school. Okay, so and, uh, and also we produced Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been acknowledged as the greatest player to ever play the, the, the position of wide receiver in the, in the National Football League, and also he's one of the greatest black college football players ever produced in the HBCU history. So and that's what made me start writing about the, his his teammates because. You know, we appreciate his glory, but it was more than just him on the team. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Mm-hmm. So I wanted people, people to meet these other players that no one knew about. You had the tons of fun, which was one of the most feared offensive fronts in, in black college football. And you had what we called the five pick em, stick em defense, which was definitely the most feared defense. They were feared on Saturday, Saturday afternoons. And, we were really we, we were massacring people on a weekly basis. The game in Jackson that Sunday we played before the largest crowd to ever witness a college football game in the state of Mississippi, as well as the first one on on a Sunday, as I already stated. Uh, mm-hmm. They announced attendance was sixty three thousand eight hundred and eight in a stadium that seated only sixty two thousand five one hundred. So it was an overflow crowd. So many tickets were being sold that at the halftime people were still trying to get in and the, the Hines County Fire Marshal asked them to cease because they were afraid of a panic. You know, if, some, if there was an emergency, right. it was going to be a stampede. I mean, right. it's going to be difficult for everybody to get out. The picture, I have to send you a picture of the empty stadium and the picture of the stadium that day. It's one of the most famous photographs in sports history in Mississippi. So, um, while 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 you're talking about that, do you maintain like a website with this information, or you know how how do you how do you um, I basically keep you know, the information? Is it just like in your head, or 
well, a lot of that I still remember, and I have every yearbook too. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the stuff I I'm pretty well known for my memory, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. with my family as well. I I can remember I can remember every day my every day bad like it was yesterday. Okay. You know, and the 80s was such a we were also a uh, valid basketball team in 1986. We won. We played in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, which we call the SWAC. Mm-hmm. And that year, we won in order to go to the to the 64 field NCAA basketball tournament. You have to win. Valley has to win the conference to get the automatic bid. So we won the tournament, and our opponent was Duke, the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. So everybody was still once again. Everybody was trying to find Itabina. Coach Lafayette Stribling was the coach at that time, one of the greatest coaches in Mississippi history and in high school basketball history as well. Well, we, we played Duke. We actually led Duke at the half. After the break, in my opinion, the referees started calling phantom fouls, and our starting five was quickly sent to the bench. We lost by only seven, which I think is an impressive showing against the number one team in the country, right. Duke. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, it at when I where I went to school, um, a lot of uh, the people who were there kind of met their mates in college. Are you married? No. Nope, no marriage. No. But okay. a lot, but a lot of, a lot of my friends met their spouses there, and they're still married over mm-hmm. thirty years later. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was social life like on the campus? Well, you had your, uh, of course, you had your your athletes. They were they were always popular. So, well, let me ask you this question. Um, when I was editor of the newspaper, I could I could, I conducted a weekly photo campus personalities number one who was the top 20 and each week the football team would dominate mm-hmm. you know of course you had just sororities and fraternities uh, okay. they're always popular mm-hmm. um it at and at that time um you know it was just a closeness there was a bond with everybody they weren't they weren't that many fights and if there were fights people usually made up no nobody reached for a gun then Everybody truly loved each other. The teachers, they cared about you. I had a habit of missing class, and I was always sent warnings about. I've actually been sit back because I was late for class. Go back and go, go back to bed and try it again next time. Okay. So, um, it was just a closeness there. I mean, everybody just really loved each other. We still close after all these years. So you you keep in touch with a lot of the people that you went to school uh, college oh, with. My, yes. Facebook has been a godsend for everybody. Mm-hmm. I do all my writing. I don't have a particular page. I pr- I just do it at random. I just I go through my yearbooks and I try to highlight not just the popular students. You know, I try to highlight get us a person from all segments of college life. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You have, of course, you know, in anything, you, you, there are people, a group of people. You have your popular ones, you have the ones not so popular. As well as teachers, because some teachers were so popular, they had waiting lists for their class. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a good time to be alive. It was a good time to be in Mississippi Valley. It really was. 
so college so so the atmosphere there what you felt was very conducive for you to be a more well-rounded person in uh, education exactly. and as yeah. a personality exactly you i mean everybody was your friend i mean if you didn't know everybody's name you recognize a face if you see them today you know i went to school with you you know mm -hmm. we still got that we still have that camaraderie the football mm -hmm. team uh i was listening and bringing back that 1984 team uh for reunions, first time in 33 years, we got we got about 25 back, which is not bad. And uh, we've lost a few mm -hmm. to death. And even today, when we lose a member of our student body, our peers, we'll always highlight highlight that if I find out about it. Uh, we lost one of our dear football players last year. He was a good friend of me. That, that, it was pretty devastating. Some deaths still rock us. We just never get used to death. Sure. Um, people came back from far and near for, for that film. We, we lost three last year. So now you said you... I'm sorry, go ahead. Sir, that's the end time we lose a member of our... We call it our community. It affects us all. You know what I'm saying? Not mm -hmm. just the family. So I take it upon myself. It could be... I could find out about somebody passing five years ago. It's news to us because we didn't know. So I'll go and, and highlight, let everybody know we lost one of our friends. You know, mm -hmm. it keeps us kind of in the loop. Right. You know? it, you, I mean, if, you, if you've got a community and you've got that camaraderie, then you just kind of, you know, maintain connections. Yeah. And they, 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 they've named me de facto, uh, historian of the 80s they'll call and tell me things and, and of course I put it in I've been blessed with the gift to write it doesn't take me long to whip up something I can see a picture and that's a story to me sure. I, I can build a story around one picture so, so you, and we're still, clo we're still close to this day Al J was very popular on the yard one of, one of our leading musicians he's also head of the student union board which is very powerful mm -hmm. uh, on Lenny campus they're the one who bring the entertainment to to the school, so he was very, he was a very able-bodied leader. He's a musician of top quality. Our band was the uh, was also he was a member of that. Mm -hmm. Our band was pretty well known. Our band made two appearances in the Tournament of Roses parade in the sixties. We were the only band invited from HBCU. Excellent. So, as as a um, um, editor, you was a main editor for the for the school paper. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. For student paper, I stayed in two. I stayed in friction with the president, of course. Oh, okay. Share some of that story. <laughs> well, what was that like? Once had, he once had me transported to the Lafleur County Jail. Um, I was radical. Okay. Um, every so often, the college board tries to put the squeeze on us. And at that time, they tried again, and I wrote an editorial, which was picked up by the wire services. And he got wind of because it ran in his hometown. And he, I was summoned to the palace. Um, and he told me, uh, I'll never forget, he asked me, uh, who do you, who do I think I was? Because I, I said in my editorial that he should go back to where he came from because he doesn't know what this university means to this area of the state. 
And I asked, he, I asked him, I said, well, who are you? You know, mm -hmm. of course, that about, that about another. That escalated things. From his office. Yeah. We were, I was always trying to fight for the student. I was like, student violence makes up the school. And still, y'all won't provide transportation to some of these games, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was dismissed from his office more times than I care to remember, you know. Mm -hmm. I know when my year as editor came to an end, he breathed a collective sigh of relief. <laughs> okay. So now, some of the things that we talked about also was that um, you were surprised by some of the behavior um, in that area. You know, some of, the, some of the atrocities that were committed in that area. And it was one that you mentioned that I hadn't, I, I wasn't aware of. And that was the school fire? Um, every year in February, you know, it's, it's Black History Month. Right. So one year, every day that month, I put up something from the, from the annals of black history. Mm -hmm. And this year, I didn't do it every day, but I tried to do it more than once or twice a week. Okay. But if this year, I discovered um, there was a fire in my state. I currently live in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And there was a fire. There was a fire here in 1959. Somebody sent this to me. and said, you you may want to look into this. When I looked into it, I was horrified. I was yeah. like, Oh my God! It was the Riceville uh, School for Delinquent Negro Boys, and uh, it was at Riceville, Arkansas. And on the evening, I don't forget the date. It was in June. It was, it was in the summer. The boys had had a hard day of work, and they, they went to the dorms, and they padlocked the boys in the dorm. But somewhere before the, before they, there was a fire. With the uh, windows, and the other edges were padlocked shut. They couldn't get out. And so some of the boys ordered something of them. Uh, kept on till they pushed the wire out, broke the windows and got out. However, twenty one of them did not make it out, pushed by by flames and when the fire was extinguished, they were found all stacked in the corner, except about three or four. That's horrible. What a horrible way to die. Yeah. So and one of the workers one of the workers said years later, said as long as he lived, he would be affected by that because uh, he heard them hollering for help, and there's nothing they could do but just watch, you know. Mm -hmm. And, well, you know, in the South, oh, we had a, in 1960, it's in the 60s, no, 55, Emmett Till, I'm sure you're familiar with Emmett Till. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, he was, he was lynched, a 14-year-old boy. In the look, not far from Valley State, in the Delta. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, then you had uh, Reverend Herbert Lee in Belzona. Uh, he owned his own store mm -hmm. and was had his own press. Well, he was shot. Mm -hmm. well, I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't. I, I don't want to go too far down that path. Um, we don't want to. Well, I just want to tell you one more. Okay. Uh, Lamar Smith in Brookhaven, in my, which is not far from my ancestral home, was shot on the courthouse lawn. You know. Mm -hmm. 
All this in the name of voter registration. Okay. Uh, in the spring of 1982, David Clark was running to to become the first black uh, congressman from Mississippi since Reconstruction. And rather, we played a huge part. Don Mellon, the Social Science Department, we all had to go, we spread out in the county registering people to vote. That was an exciting but He didn't win, but it, it was an experience I never forgot. You know, friendships were forged. I met people out there in, in the country on plantations that some of few of them are still friends today. We managed to keep in touch. So, so now, Val was just the United for everything the community asked of us. We were there. We never said no. So, um. So, so let me ask you, um, uh, some of the recent, I, I don't know what your politics are and I don't know, are you, are you, do you follow a lot of politics? Well, I follow some, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Democrat. There are two subjects I kind of, I kind of stay away from, politics and religion. Those are hot topics. Okay. And that which can send, which can send pressures doing, uh, Okay. But politics down here, you know, there was a time when the South was solid Democrat. Mm-hmm. But beginning with the presidential election of 1980 and Ronald Reagan, all the states down here are red now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Democrats usually could always count on the South. Lyndon Johnson, uh, sure. you know, he's, he tried to silence Fannie Lou Hamer at the convention because he didn't want the, the nation to hear her speech. I remember um, that. Mm-hmm. But the the station, the networks, he called a news conference right when mm-hmm. she was giving her address. So, but he failed in that because the next day they broadcast it in its entirety. So, so let me ask you a question about um, politics on the campus. Um, so while you were there, um, was there a keen awareness of the politics, or do you feel like you were insulated? Mm, no. I don't think we could. I think. Okay, I think we just got disconnected. Yeah. We'll try one more time. We've got a couple of minutes at uh, I don't left. Know there what we go. Happened. That's quite all right. It's internet, and it's quite possible anything could have happened to got make the disconnection. Um, well, yeah, uh, we was aware of what was happening, Leon, because how could we not be? Especially when it came to Mississippi politics, because we were, you know, the College Board, the Mississippi Institute, maybe the Mississippi, the Mississippi Institute. College Board of the Mississippi Institutions of Higher Learning was made of a lot of legislatures, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the funding, we always were interested in who's going to be elected, and Valley has never, has, has always been the stepchild. We always got less than anybody. We're the youngest in the, we're one of the youngest in the nation, and we we never was adequately funded. Mm-hmm. And the heirs case was finally settled after 30 years, and that was filed by a guy from uh, Glen Allen, I think, in, over around Greenville, Mississippi, on behalf of his son and someone else. That was like in 75, but it took them forever to settle that case. 
and we got some learnings from that. But there's always needed value. We've always got campaigns going to, you know, help with our funding. You know, we we try to we're trying to get a strong alumni, you know. But to answer your question on policy, yes, I've all, I was always aware when I was there, you know. And and the reason I ask is um, I didn't feel like on the campus that I was on. And I know that each individual has to seek out, um, you know, each different campuses do different things. So campuses in, a, in large urban areas or yeah, large urban areas um, are, you know, closer to, um, you know, politics on a daily basis. Whereas uh, like I was, it was, you know, in a really small town politics, um, wasn't so prevalent. And so if you wanted to be politically aware, you had to actually, you know, make that effort for yourself. And so I was curious, you know, with you being part of the, the the student paper, you know, did you ensure that, or, you know, would you make politics a part of the things that you wrote about? And I, and I I don't just mean campus politics, but I mean, a national politics. Yes. Yes. And, And also you have to understand that, uh, we had some very able-bodied instructors in the political science department, Eugene McLemore, Don Miller, uh, all those guys in that department in all the areas. They they they, they made sure that we were aware. Uh, as I stated, when uh, representative, Mississippi State Representative, then State Representative David Clark was running for Congress, we were all made aware. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. We were all we were all asked to pitch in. I mean, we had some very strong. Don Miller was one of the most vocalists, and Eugene McLemore was. They were two of the most vocal, politically minded individuals we had, and we we practically worshipped them. I I latched on every word they said. Very good. Okay, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna put you on hold for a second. Uh, I'm going to close out the show, and then I'll come right back. And that wraps up the show today. I want to thank you very much for joining me. Um, The podcast is streamed live each week, and that allows you an opportunity to participate. You're encouraged to participate, ask questions, and share your thoughts. I want to thank you. To participate, uh, you can contact Altitude Adjustment by connecting via Skype at thelionsden.stl at gmail.com or at Google at thelionsden.stl.gmail at gmail.com Please feel free to connect with me on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, and on YouTube. Be sure to look for this and other episodes where you listen to the podcast. Your likes and shares are internet gold. So like and share this episode and other episodes where you find them. Remember be cool, be calm, and above all, be careful. Look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.